Welcome into the Gridiron Show. No, that is not Will Gavin's voice you're hearing. I apologise for that. My name is Michael McQuaid. Delighted to be joined here by Mr. Simon Lindsay, Mr. Ollie Hunter. Lads, uh, how's the form? How are we doing? Good? Good, Will. How are you? Ah. <laughs> I was going to say, never apologise for it not being Will Gavin. Yes. Because he would not do the same thing for you. No, celebrate. And we all know that. Exactly. Celebrate <laughs> the fact that it is you and not Will. I'm I'm nice. great. I'm great, uh, Michael. I'm currently, or I was just before we started, um, chowing down on a really beautiful ham and gherkin cornichon and rocket sandwich. It was it's stunning. I got a really good. My favourite. There's a if I go to a deli, there's a nice piece of ham that you can get with orange on the outside. Um, but they had just a little bit of it left, which was far cheaper. Bits on the bone. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian. No, I'm not. What, what's um, cornichon? Cornichon's a little gherkin. Who knew? That's the most middle class thing I've ever heard you say, Ollie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> most middle class. Like, how can you top that, mate? You, you, you just can't top that, can you? I, I can't, mate. I had some um, some crunchy peanut butter inside a warm pizza. <laughs> that's how much of a scab I am. No, but that sounds just as uh, <laughs> that sounds just as appetising, actually. I'm you know, you just can't be bothered, and you're really busy. Like, what am I going to do for, for to eat? And then it's just like, oh, it's three twenty. Yeah. I'll I'll slice a pita and have some peanut butter. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Obviously, welcome in to everyone watching live on Twitter. We're also on YouTube. Shout out to Paul who's gave us a live comment. You can get your comments and questions and we will try our very, very best to answer them during the show. Tweet us at Gridiron and Twitter. People already have with some interesting questions. No Miami questions yet, Si, but we'll see. Uh, let's just jump off. Now, it's great that we've done this today. Because if we had done the Great Iron Show in its pre-season or start of season slot, lads, at 4 o'clock on a Monday, UK time... Frank Reich would have been fired about five minutes <laughs> after the show had ended, so it's good we get to do it today. Um, so si, I'll start off with you, sir. Frank Reich obviously getting fired, a shambled performance on Sunday against New England. Uh, we'll talk about his successor in a minute, but he went 40-33 for one, started off with Andrew Luck, had Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, and near 40... 49-year-old whatever, Philip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and then the whole situation issue with quarterback. Do you think he'd done all right with what he had, or do you think the Colts have made the right choice? It's it's a stunning move in week 10 to have. Yeah, it's a very difficult one, isn't it? I didn't see the game on Saturday. A Matt Sherry, Patriots fan, obviously who watched the game, said it was one of the worst performances from an NFL team he's seen ever. Um, Matt, obviously, no stranger to hyperbole, but nevertheless, it was uh, it was certainly um, certainly uh, having read about it, it, it certainly felt that way. It's a difficult one. Frank Reich, hugely well respected um, coming in. I thought he did a good job to start with, but it it, it strikes me that it's just yet another realization that unless you get that quarterback position right, that you know, you're just never going to make it work. And they couldn't make it work, bouncing around seven different passes. In the end, it just became a bit, just a bit ridiculous with the Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger issue, you know, bouncing from from Rivers to Wentz to, to Ryan. And and clearly, they must have seen in preseason and in training camp that Ryan's arm was absolutely shot. Um, and that onus falls on Chris Ballard, I'm afraid. You know, that that's your job as a general manager. And I think the writing was on the wall from early in the season. The injury to Jonathan Taylor doesn't help. But also the regression of the, the offensive line. What's happened to Quentin Nelson, for example? Nelson, one of the, you know, on an uh, on a Hall of Fame kind of um, arc in the first years of his career, gets the big contract. And, uh, and on Sunday and through this season, he's just looked absolutely abject at times. So uh, some real problems, I think, for... 
I can't even say his name, the new head coach coming in. But you know, <laughs> looking at looking at Marcus Brady getting fired a couple of weeks ago, you know that that's to pin the blame on Brady's shoulders. I thought was was pretty was pretty not a good. It just wasn't a good look, and 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 you sort of question the whole situation with Ursay and you know how much how many fingers of his own does he have in the pie and um but I, I just think ultimately it comes down to their inability to to hire a quarterback because you know it's a good fan base in a good city with a great stadium it's a good team it's well run certainly by the GM generally well run um they've got a lot of things going for it but you know they just couldn't get that guy and and I think Reich became the full guy for it I don't think he'll be out of work very long I think he'll get a, a head coaching job somewhere else and uh, whether that's in college, but I suspect it will be in the NFL. I think he'll be one of the earliest hires in the in the new cycle after after Black Monday um, at the end of the season and uh, and we go from there. But uh, it's no shock to see him fired, but it certainly won't be a shock to see him back in the NFL soon. And I think he will go on to be a successful head coach. I think he's learned his lesson. He'll, he definitely won't be going anywhere where there is any sort of con- uh, quarterback controversy or quarterback downturn um there's no way that he's gonna allow his uh his tra- his trajectory his career trajectory to be afflicted by having a crap quarterback or ha- not having a quarterback that that's good enough so look at a team that's going to be picking high in the draft so that he can have one of those three stellar top 10 top five picks in the in or, or players in the draft next year or a, a team which with an established quarterback that isn't go, doesn't have a, a shoddy arm, doesn't um, isn't like Bambi under pressure, or doesn't um, isn't isn't aging. So I think yeah, he he'll have learned his lesson. I, I think you're right, Simon. I think he will get a job soon. But the the onus and all of this and the and the shambles has to go back to the general manager, right? Like the 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 continual hiring of or, or bringing in of QBs that all right with with Philip Rivers no even even with Philip Rivers we knew his arm was gone so that was an, an experiment that didn't work okay to a point you know they, they won some games but that was never for one year never the long-term answer and not the right not the right kind of message that you want to be showing to a your, your fan base and b your um the rest of your players and they've done they've gone it and done it again with Matt Ryan and it it's not no surprise to me that you get players who see this malaise going on around them players dropping off form or not being able to return back from injury quicker than perhaps they should be i'm not casting aspersions in that it's just it's just a thing it's an it's a well-known thing that if things are going well for your organization you get back a little bit quicker a week or two quicker, or you you bust a gut to get back off of injury, and that isn't happening at Indianapolis. So it's it, it. You're right, Simon. It's a sad thing that the organization has come to this, but they're used to tanking and uh, and and tanking well to get a generational quarterback in the next in the next year in the draft the next year. So I mean, the the Saturday appointment is just it's ludicrous, but you kind of. I get where they're coming from. We're going to tank, and and we need a guy to to carry that tanking all the way through. It, it's funny because if you go back to like 
not even six months ago, whenever Matt Ryan comes in, a lot of people going, this, this is the right move for Matt Ryan. He, he, ha- he has a chance now in the, the end of his career to maybe try and go one more time. Family seemed happy, teams seemed happy, and then week one came and sweet Jesus, what happened? Chris, Chris Ballard was asked in July and in June, uh, sorry about the offensive line, and he kept dodging questions, and it's came back to haunt him almost now. Like they've, they've fired a head coach that in the last four seasons finished uh, 10th, 19th 13th and 12th by offensive dvoa they now bring in jeff jeff saturday uh which is um look we all collectively lads have as much college experience head coaching as as, <laughs> as jeff saturday has so look we're, we're we're on the same page is this a tankathon is this a situation where Ursa has just given up i mean like watching the i watched the press conference this morning and he's like oh he's fully capable i mean that's definitely a ringing indictment of a head coach of an nfl team isn't it there are so many, <clears throat> excuse me. There are so many places to go with this, and uh, and uh, you know the tanking one is, is an obvious one, right? But they are hiring a coach who has never coached in the NFL, has never coached in college, never been a position coach anywhere. He was a high school coach. His last record was three seven and one. Okay, uh, a high school in Georgia, right? Uh, and it's okay for guys like Andrew Whitworth to come out and say, look, you know, head coaching is not just about X's and O's. It's about being a leader of men. And it's about being, you know getting hold of players and, uh, and inspiring them and those sorts of things. And that's absolutely fine. Okay. I do not for a second think that there, there are social issues well beyond just tanking or Jeff being a nice guy and a mate of, uh, of Jim Ursay's. And I know he was a, you know, he was a sounding board for Ursay through the season. Um, but, you know, Brian Flores's lawyers must be running to the, you know, must be rubbing their hands together with glee because this just makes their case. I mean, it's yeah, this is the personification of everything that Brian Flores has been talking about in his case. You know, um, I, I just think, you know, and that press conference you talk about, Mike, Ursa uh, tried to defend what was clearly a bizarre decision with even more bizarre logic. You know, it, it's now a team completely in turmoil. It's an owner that's succumbing to his worst, um, to his worst impulses, you know, uh, of ego and of impatience, chasing these kind of glory days that, you know, going back to the, the era of Peyton and uh, and those sorts of things that clearly aren't there at the moment. Uh, and I just think, in terms of just uh, read the room, Jim. You know, when it comes to the entire conversation surrounding a lack of opportunity for minority coaches, and even if you're not going to hire a minority coach, you've got Bubba Ventrone as your special teams coordinator, who is absolutely primed to be an NFL head coaching candidate at some point in the pretty near future and may well be a head hired as a head coach in the next round of hiring. We talked about him in this month's Gridiron magazine as one of the guys who teams absolutely love in terms of his ability. You know, if you're looking for a rabble-rousing guy who can who can fire the troops up, you already have him as your special teams coordinator. So I don't understand why you didn't have to bring in Peyton Manning's former center to to be the cut. I mean, it was bizarre enough when Houston were talking about hiring um uh what's his name who's completely escaped me, the the quarterback. Um, quarterback. Yeah. Uh, we all know who we were talking about. But yes. I mean that was bizarre enough, right? But at least there was an interview process. At least there were a number of candidates and the job ultimately obviously went to Lovely Smith. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's a bad thing necessarily necessarily to think outside the box and have somebody who's coming in with a different view and a different but these are yeah, this is and, and Jeff Saturday must know what's ahead of him. You know, who's he gonna who who's he hiring? Who are the coaches that are all of a sudden gonna come in and do is he just retaining the same coaches? How Ollie, I don't I just I just don't know how it's gonna work. I mean, like 
I watch a lot of Mike McDaniel press conferences and he's like, like Tuesdays, I get in the office at like 4am and I'm there until like 10pm at night. I don't look at my phone for like 10 hours because I, I just can't. And my wife might be messaging me to say, oh, a daughter's fallen over or she's got a cut knee or what do you want for dinner? Or And he said, you know, I get back to her like seven hours later because this is install day. You know, Tuesday is literally the day where we we get in the room, we create the magic for the, the Sunday that's about to come. Is Jeff Saturday going to... I mean, there are so many... I just I just find it so bizarre. And then Ursay's talking about, I hope that he gets the job full time. It's like really? I mean, really? Is that what you're? Is that is this the play? Yeah, it's, um, the... it's amazing, isn't it? Um, and you're a great, great live uh, googling, <laughs> Michael. It's, it's Josh McCown. <laughs> Josh McCown, uh, yeah. McCown, of course. Uh, but it's. I think the the biggest thing is the social thing, uh, Simon. I think you're absolutely bang on there because they have a really good opportunity to to address that situation. And the growing situation in the NFL, and um, they've willfully chosen to not do it. And when you think about that, if you're a, a, a black or a minority player playing for the Indianapolis Colts, or you're you're out of contract next year, and you're looking around it, and you've got two options: one's the Colts, and one's somewhere else. And you're seeing that they're not they're not pushing the the, uh, the right message or a good message. Then it, it just it beggars belief that they haven't even entertained that, and they're bringing in someone who has no experience. And if you're a current player on that roster, regardless of your skin color, you're looking at this going, "Who is this guy? How can I? How can I? I know he's been a player, but how can I? How can I take what he's saying seriously as as my head coach? Because he doesn't. He's never been there before. He's not even." He's not even positioned coached. It's it's such a bizarre decision on a multitude of levels. I just you can just say what his seventh last tweet was. He's quite an active tweeter, Jeff Saturday. So his seventh most recent tweet, I was just, I was just looking, was this: Raiders look horrible. Who are the Colts playing on Sunday? Raiders. <laughs> Raiders. I mean, come on, you can't make this stuff up. But like, maybe that's how we got the job. In. Well, maybe. Wow. <laughs> I was going to jump in and just say the quotes of what Jim Irsay said. I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics and it gets difficult. He doesn't have all that. Oh God, he doesn't have the fear and there was no other candidate. And then he quickly said, we were fortunate he was available and he has tons of experience. He knows the game inside and out. Uh, I understand that he's fully capable of doing this. I, I... He doesn't, if, like, he, he doesn't have the fear. He does know that he was a what fifteen year veteran offensive lineman in the NFL, and he understands what coaches and players go through in terms of. I mean, it just it just beggars belief. I, I mean, I can't, I can't get my head around. It's, it. it's it's actually insane. Like, I think we'll actually be sitting down thinking to ourselves, where were we when that happened? And we'll, it's a real pity that uh, Ollie that they're not in hard knocks in season like the Cardinals oh. are because that would be the best crack ever. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Let's, um, uh, folks, if you you are watching live, feel free to comment. There's a heap of people watching this, so please do feel free to comment. Twitter, YouTube, we'll get us out at the end. Let's let's jump very quickly on a story each or or, or a talking point each from the week that we've had there. I guess the one for me, lads, is um, 
there, there was a comment about Josh Allen saying that he's had more UCLs than Man City. Um, that's a good one. But the for me, it's all about the Jets. The defense is completely loaded. I mean, Sauce Gardner, lads, looks unreal at game ceiling uh, play as well. And they just look, lads, genuinely like a Jets team that can go far in the season. They could maybe honestly get 10 or 11 wins. But... I, I, I get that Josh Allen came out afterwards and said he didn't play well. I guess the big question now is, and it's something to look at the next few weeks, how injured is Josh Allen? How fit is Josh Allen? Because we had all this talk at the start of the season about Matthew Stafford and his arm. You would hope as a neutral, that someone that loves the game, lads, that uh, Josh Allen is okay down the stretch because he's in for a busy few months. As a fan of an AFC East team, as much as I do like Josh Allen, I, I would rather him be injured for the rest of the season and be out, although not seriously injured, But because um, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't wish that upon him. But um, I think, you know, I don't know enough about UCLs and ulnars and uh, and those sorts of things, but anytime you get a ligament injury to your, you know, in your throwing arm, in your elbow, that that is not, to me, going to be something that gets better, you know, the more you play, the more you play a physical sport like, like football. So... Um, I don't think it's a it, it's a great sign for the Bills, and you know the one the singular player that you couldn't lose, you know for any I don't think for any stretch of time, but you just you know when we get to sort of mid December and into January, you know you want Josh Allen firing at one hundred percent, and if he's not, that's going to be a massive struggle. So um, I, I I don't know because like I said, I, I think everybody's sort of on tenterhooks waiting for this for this medical to come through in terms of exactly how bad the situation is, but. I can understand why fans would be very nervous up in the up in the north. I think, and as it pertains to the Jets, I certainly think you're right about their defense um, and Source Gardner playing at an elite level, which I didn't think he would be capable of early on. I, I felt it was really grabby at Cincinnati. I thought he'd get penalized quite a lot, but he has been outstanding. I, I just, you know, this team goes as far as, as Zach Wilson can take them, and you know, he is by some distance the worst quarterback in the NFL. So, uh, you know, I, I don't necessarily share your optimism, Mike, but I think defensively, certainly, Robert Sala's got that unit playing brilliantly. When you um, when you look at Josh Allen's interceptions over the last weekend and some of his play previous weekends before that, he's failing to spot the underneath guy, or um, he's failing to spot the free guy coming back and, and, and making a play towards the ball. Now, some of it can be down to um, the, the issue with the throwing arm and, and not having as, uh, maybe as much juice on, on that throwing arm. But there are a few, uh, some slight worrying aspects creeping into his play that we had, that we had what, the first two years of his NFL career. Not saying that he's on the way down. I'm not saying that at all. But it's something to keep an eye on that, some of the some of the throws and decisions that he's making, they're not as elite as they were last year and at the beginning of this season. Saying that, you're right. That Jets defense is outrageous, and we as soon the NFL is an incredible thing, isn't it? As soon as you get on a roll, either way, like a, a losing roll or a winning roll, things start going your way. You play up, you play better, you play. Jets of a quintessential team of playing up and playing up towards their opponent's um, reputation and level. And it's work and things start going for you and you start forcing errors. And that's exactly what's happened. It happened with the Giants a little bit at the beginning of the season, but the Jets have really taken on that mantle now. It is a worry. It is a worry for Bills fans that, uh, that Allen's going through these injuries. I wonder if they're tempering expectations 
a little bit and maybe he'll be back this week and, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, a little bit of a worry, but Jets, woo, love it. I do think Bills fans don't have to worry, though, about the team overall, about losing to the no, Jets. No, I, I just no. put that down to, a, you know, really good teams often have clunkers on their way to a Super Bowl just because you just can't be focused for, for 20, 21 weeks of the season like that. You, you, it's impossible. Plus, you know, they're, they're a little bit banged up. They're a little bit, you know, especially in the secondary. I know Trey White's coming back, but obviously the safeties have been a bit hurt. Matt Milano was hurt. You know, there's some of the guys on that defensive line rotation are injured. I still think the running game is a work in progress, and I still think the running game, aside from Allen, might be the thing that trips them up in the playoffs in terms of, you know, if you're getting into a, in, into a dirty battle with Kansas City or you're getting into a dirty battle with Tennessee on the road and, you know, the, the Titans are able to ball control and run the, you know, that that to me would be a bit of a worry because I think there's some inconsistency there with, with Singletary, Zach Moss, obviously sort of fallen almost behind James Cook a little bit now. So, that would be a concern for me, but I, I, I don't, you know, injuries aside, I, I wouldn't, if I was a Bills fan, I wouldn't be worried about that performance at the weekend. I just think it's one of those things that just the good teams often do. You look back at the, the, the Patriots for all those years of their dominance, you know, the first four or five weeks of almost every season for New England was just an opportunity. It was just an extension of the preseason, really. And it wasn't until sort of, you know, they obviously stayed competitive, but it wasn't really until, you know, October, late October, November, mm. that they really started to hit their, hit their straps and buy, by December, January, they were the team that, you know, nobody could beat. As a executive producer of the Gridiron Show, I'm going with this with my fingers like this here for people watching. And um, I did tell you lads to maybe talk about something that you're interested in or, that, you know, a team that's caught your interest over this weekend. Ollie, I'm just going to give you your topic, mate. Uh, we, I feel like we talk or either if Will's on or if I'm on, this is brought up every week now, but we need to genuinely talk about this. Like, what in the hell is going on with Aaron Rodgers? Some of that play on Sunday was insane. Like you, you must be very not not concerned, but like, are, are, are you at the point now where another game in the season's over? Who pays? Does the OC pay? Like, what does Mark Murphy do here? Like, I mean, if paid Aaron Rodgers, there was multiple times on Sunday where there was guys open and he wasn't flowing to them. What's what's going on in Green Bay? Please enlighten us. I think he is massively in his head. Uh, I, he, if you noticed, he, um, he did, had a bit a nice sharp haircut and a and a good shave beforehand. I think it's part of trying to do anything to arrest his personal and the team's slide. Um, I I am quite different actually compared to what I've seen on social media about from some some Packers fans about Aaron Rodgers this week. This week, I felt that he was trying to he before. Okay, so before this week, he, he wasn't making, he wasn't forcing things. He was playing safe, and the team weren't doing anything. And I, I was critical of him not trying to force the ball in, not trying to take the risks, not worrying about his his touchdown to interception ratio more than he should. I think on Saturday, Sunday it was uh, against the Lions, and albeit the worst defense in football. I don't have a problem with him trying to make those plays in the red zone. One hits a helmet, um, a bops up, and that could that could have gone anywhere. Uh, the other one was a bad throw, and the other and the other interception was a bad throw as well. But he's trying to force, he's trying to put the team on his back, and he's trying to force the game. For the Lions, any game against the Green Bay Packers is like the FA Cup final or the Super Bowl. So 
no wonder they they played up. But the Packers are in such malaise and such a, a downturn of form that it doesn't surprise me that they ended up slipping the, up on this game. And I'm not totally worried about Aaron Rodgers' play, more so the play calling. I think the play calling has got an awful lot to be desired. Um, Matt Lafleur is not having a good year, and defensively, there's some in- individuals that are propping up Joe Barry's scheming and the fact that they're playing Jared Goff. So, I, oh, sorry, sorry, Ollie, I was going to say, but no. keep bouncing on, but I'll, I'll say this while you're still talking because it's in my head. Uh, since he, since Aaron Rodgers shook Sai's hand, the Packers haven't won a game. <laughs> there we go. I'm joking. Oh, here we go. Ooh, right, ooh. you need to get, get over to Wisconsin right now, Clansonator. And yeah, I'll, I'll use your surname. So this is all your fault. <laughs> that's a very, very fair point, Mike. I hadn't thought about that, but yes, can, that's very true. Can you believe they haven't won a game since? That's insane. Like I mean, that feels like ages ago we were sitting in London. Like when he when he dropped back, sort of did that little play fake, hid the ball, turned, rolled, and, and threw that touchdown pass to um to Mercedes Lewis at, at, at Tottenham. I could not have it imagined for a single second that they would a go on to lose that game and then b to go on to lose the next three off the back of that i i just find it unimaginable really given how good he is but there are significant problems the offensive line has been an issue uh, there are clearly some disconnects between quarterback and head coach you know in terms of talking about things like the motions and lack of motion and more motion and you know, I've seen a number of the well-respected kind of Green Bay uh, media that I certainly follow on social media, Pete Bukowski and Jason Hirshhorn and Aaron Nagler talking about the fact that, you know, they wanted Rogers to stand up and say, you know what, it starts with me and I have to get better as well as everybody else. And I think they felt that it was a little bit uncomfortable sort of throwing the rookie receivers under the bus. And you look, that's certainly a uh, it's certainly a tactic that's worked for other quarterbacks, other coaches, other sports in the past where, you know, it's trial by fire. It's, you know, this is the NFL. This is not pat a cake football. This is, you know, do your job. We, you know, this is the sort of thing that Bill Belichick has built a legacy on is, you know, next man up, do your job, that sort of thing. They've certainly not been helped by the injuries. I think that the injuries they suffered the weekend, Rashan Gary, Eric Stokes, Romeo Dobbs going off, it, it just, you know, Christian Watson never being able to stay healthy uh, have been massive issues. Um, and I think what's happened is that it, it sort of forced Aaron into sort of some hero ball, which we saw at the back end of the Mike McCarthy era, um, where you, you you retain outrageous talent and you hope that you can do something with that. And unfortunately, it's just not working, but it's not worked on either side of the ball all season, really. The special teams are still not very good. And I love Rich Passaccia, the... the um, the cover units aren't great. I think defensively, I don't, I don't understand the scheme that Joe Barry's been playing. Certainly not. You know, you've got Jair Alexander and you're, you're playing zone. You don't let Jair Alexander travel with the number one receiver. And when you do, he, he's plays in I, To me, I just, I, I don't understand it. There's some fundamental issues as well. You look at, you know, the linebacking core with Devondre Campbell is not the same player that he was last year. Um, all of those things, I, I, I just find, um, you know, like the, the the touchdown throw, or at least the play to David Bakhtiari that got picked off by Aiden Hutchinson. Again, I I don't understand that call. I just don't, you know. And is that is that a bit of Aaron calling that? How did that even get in the install? How was that in the game plan? All those sorts of things, you know. David Bakhtiari has to keep coming in and out of games because he, you know, because of the the issues with his knee, and yet we're out here running routes with him. 
Um, you know, the injuries to Elton Jenkins, who's played left tackle, right guard, right tackle, left guard already this season. Um, you know, it's been a it's been a rotational issue on the offensive line. And actually, I thought they looked pretty good in decent spells. Certainly in the second half against Buffalo, they really found something with the run game. You know, AJ Dillon was breaking tackles. Aaron Jones is just such a fundamentally good football player. I just don't know what happens. I don't know what you do, where you go. I don't know what the moratorium is at the end of the season in terms of, look, what, what is this team? What does Mark Murphy do? Is it, you know, who? it's such a difficult situation when you've got a, a first ballot Hall of Famer who you've re-signed to a new contract, who's still clearly got legs in him in terms of his ability to play multiple years. How do you move forwards? Do you, is the situation with Aaron Rodgers retrievable for next season? Is it irretrievable, and therefore you trade him away, and you just, you just, it's Jordan Love. I I can't see a scenario where Matt Lafleur walks in, you know, if they lose this weekend, walks in and says, right, Aaron, you're benched. We're going with Jordan Love for the rest of the season. I, I mean, that that just can't, won't happen. So at some point, the rubber's going to have to meet the road, though, you know. And, and I don't think that Brian Guttenkunst is is um, unimpeachable in this either. I think, and I've mentioned it before on this podcast, certainly, but. Windows of opportunity in the NFL are small. They are few and far between. And Green Bay has certainly had one over the last three or four years. But, you know, you come off the back of an NFC championship defeat that you probably should have won and you draft a quarterback in the first round rather than, you know, you had the opportunity to, to you know, you're picking at 23 in the first round. You had CeeDee Lamb still on the board at 17. You had Justin Jefferson still on the board at 21, 22. You had Brandon Ayuk still on the board um when you were on the on the clock but you know if you uh, uh, if you had a conviction about either of those two guys lamb or or um or jefferson then what would it take to move up with the cowboys at 17 or whoever it was picking at 16 and give up a fourth rounder to go and just add to that arsenal i mean imagine a justin jefferson opposite Devonte adams with that you know I, I don't understand their inability to surround him with as much weaponry is as humanly possible and then to come back this year not really do anything in free agency i mean sammy watkins looks like he's been a car accident i mean he can't run he literally can't run he can't run and he i i've count i counted i think three times against detroit and countless other times throughout the season where he's run a different route to the one that aaron Rodgers wants him to run so why is it on fourth down on the game yeah. of the weekend? It was just like, what, what, what are you doing? Where are you going, mate? What's going on? I could push my green, uh, my my green uh, rubbish, rubbish bin uh, and still probably cover Sammy Watkins. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I just. Um, <laughs> well, you I, are. I've played against Simon Clancy. Well, that's for sure. Thanks, mate. Thanks, buddy. Elite. Um, Elite. But it, it's, it's true. I, I just don't. I, I just don't know where they go. And I just don't know where. You know how they rebuild because there's clear talent on this team. But even at the even on the deadline, you know to be so you know you're watching teams all over the league make make deals. You know Detroit dealing TJ yeah. Hawkinson in you know in division to 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 Minnesota. And I'm not saying TJ Hawkinson is is you know, Shannon Sharp, but you know they could certainly do with a tight end to to pair up alongside Bob Tonyan and. And, and they didn't make the move. Same with Chase Claypool. How do you allow when you're so desperate for for help at wide receiver? How do you allow how do you allow the Chicago Bears to outbid you for for Chase Claypool, an in division rival? You know, a team. Uh, I, I just find it all staggering. So I, you I know what it, been, that Claypool. Yeah, sorry, Simon. That Claypool thing reminded me of West Ham United pretending to to bid for players in the transfer window 
own saying, oh, yeah, we've put a bid in for so-and-so and so-and-so <laughs> with no just it's like to appease the media or appease people. Oh, we really we tried to we tried to get a wide receiver in. We were trying to do something in trade in the trade deadline on trade deadline day, but I just didn't quite come off. But we are trying. But that doesn't cut the mustard anymore, does it? Like Claypool uh, had a really, really good rookie year, really good rookie year with Big Ben and an aging Big Ben as his 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 quarterback. Rogers and and Claypool is is your different kind of receiver. He can do all of those jet sweeps and stuff out of the backfield. He's big. He's got some good hands. He's a better alternative than Sammy Bloody Watkins. I mean, come on. And letting him then go to the Bears, it's just it's so. I uh, people that are pointing the finger at Aaron Rodgers, uh, especially last week. Uh, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on in the back office. Um, I, I just it's it's a bit of a for want of a better word show going on at, uh, at at Green Bay at the moment. So we talk about the NFL, but have you ever experienced the NFL in its natural state, live and in person, in America, surrounded by tens of thousands of screaming partisan fans after spending hours beforehand? in the car park, outside the stadium, enjoying a cold beer, maybe one or two, as the smell of barbecue and tailgate food wafts deliciously through the air. If not, or if you have, and you fancy doing it again, well, Touchdown Trips folks are the experts in creating amazing travel packages for your favorite NFL team. And when we say amazing, we mean it. The guys and the girls at Touchdown Trips put fans first and are passionate. The fans who book with them get a proper, unforgettable and more importantly a unique nfl experience you don't just get tickets but an authentic pre-game tailgate with local fans college fan you want to go to a college game stadium tour why not as well as all that they include flights from across the uk they've got fantastic hotels and anything else you may want to add such as an nba game or an nhl game or a local excursion to create truly bespoke packages that are more importantly at all protected and ABTA bonded. So if you're thinking of going to a game this season or next and just want to get in touch, give the team at Touchdown Trips a shout today at touchdowntrips.com. Check them out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash touchdown trips or Twitter at touchdown trips. Touchdown Trips, you have to see it to believe it. The NFL comes to Munich this weekend. Uh, for the first time ever, the NFL started its first regular season game in London uh, in the late 2000s, 2008, if I'm correct, and finally comes to Munich. Uh, I think statistically there's more NFL fans in Germany than there is in, in the UK. Now, I could be done for saying that by, by, by you lads here, but I'm nearly certain, or it's it's, it's the exact same. But uh, first off, lads, for people that are, you know, for just for just for you that have covered the game, uh, being the games in London, how cool do you think it is to have a game in Bayern Munich City in this weekend? Yeah, I think, it's amazing. I think it's amazing. I mean, look, I was a kid that grew up listening to the game or got into the game in the early to mid 80s. The the whole conceit that I could... I, I remember being in Rio at the Olympics in 2016, sitting in the back of a taxi on the way home and watching Monday Night Football live on my phone in HD and thinking, this is mental you know going back and, you know, I used to have to phone, I used to have to phone a premium rate phone line 
to get NFL scores on a Monday morning from because there was, there was literally no other way of getting hold of it. You had t- it wasn't even teletext. It wasn't so you know my my parents would be like, "What what have you been doing?" And I was like, "You know, this is when you still had a house phone. Mobiles weren't a thing." I then found the Armed Forces radio, so would listen Saturday Sunday nights while all my friends were out getting pissed and getting laid when they were fourteen, fifteen, and at discos and parties and those sorts of things. And I was literally laying on my bed listening to Holy Cross against Florida State and NFL games on a Sunday and just you know, and and that was how I consumed the game. It was the only way to be able to consume the game. And, and college football, I mean, we had TV highlights. I was telling this to somebody the other day. We had college football highlights on the Saturday night, Sunday morning, at 2.30 in the morning on a Sunday morning from the week before. So there'd already been, there'd already been another week of games. So let's say the game was LSU-Alabama. They were showing it from the previous week. LSU would have already, and Alabama would have already played the following Saturday. And he's... <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. So to be able to think that we've had however many games that we've had now in London, 30-odd or whatever it's 32. been, 32, and now this one in Munich, an amazing city in a great country that's mad for the game, really knowledgeable for people. If you've if you not caught our, our, our Gridiron Germany podcast, it's excellent with great hosts, really informative, intelligent, um, you know, thoughtful people who know the game. And I just think out there, they're, they're, they're crazy for the game. And it's it's brilliant. And I think it's, it's two really intriguing teams. And I, I, I think actually... When the schedule came out, we probably thought, oh, you know, Tampa will be brilliant and the Seahawks will be a bit rubbish. And actually, the Seahawks are the dominant side. And Tampa, with that great win over the Rams, you know, it makes it it makes it makes a really intriguing matchup between these two sides with, you know, with a legit MVP candidate who isn't Tom Brady at quarterback. It's, it's Geno Smith. And, yeah, I think the, the people of Munich will be fired up. That stadium is – I've been to that stadium. It's absolutely amazing. It will be absolutely rocking. The visuals on the outside, the way that if you've never seen it, the, the – the way it lights up with the red and the, the colours, it's just, it's great. It's easy to get to. It's just a, um, yeah, it's a, I think it's going to be a great game and in a, in a great setting. You're getting me really excited here. Ollie Hunter, you're, you're going to be in Munich this weekend. Um, it's it's going to be great. And the, the, the one thing, Ollie, that I wanted to sort of mention here as well is obviously Seattle, for where they're based in the States, they're coming out here. It's not an eight-hour time difference. It's a nine-hour time difference in, in Munich because of the extra hour. They, they get out here a day earlier uh, or at least 12 hours earlier than Tampa Bay. Do you think that makes any difference whatsoever when you're going to Munich for the first time? And, and are you surprised that both teams maybe haven't uh, engaged to come in earlier because it's the first game in Germany or is it just business as usual? Uh, I mean, these NFL teams are business as usual. Also, I don't know. I'd love to find out the stats. Maybe this is on me for not doing it, but uh, I don't think there's any correlation to coming out early or coming out on Friday or Thursday or whatever day to how you perform on that Sunday uh, when you when they've come out to, to the UK. An extra hour is when you've done eight or it's eight, uh, eight hour time difference. But when you've done what, 10 to 11 hours in a plane, it's, I'm not sure it makes too much of a difference. They'll they'll plan their sleep patterns and and um, their meals accordingly. So I don't think it's got any any outcome on on the game whatsoever but um yeah maybe not coming out and and doing a few extra bits might be might have been might have been a good thing for the league to do but in in any case three million people tried to get or could have got tickets Ticketmaster said to this uh to this game the fact that that it's going on the nfl have sent out a whole media team already. They're doing Good Morning Football from there, I think, already. Bennett is out there. Uh, so 
there's a you know the NFL are taking this seriously, and I think so because it's gonna be it's gonna be epic. It's gonna be so good, and we finally and and it's two really relevant teams. I think I think uh, didn't the, the the UK took it took thirty two games for them to have two teams with a winning record. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know I know that the the Bucks are, are there or thereabouts, but. The Seahawks are looking good this year against all almost all odds, and I think yeah. you two boys are in for an absolutely like a weekend of a lifetime in terms of because if you've never been to Munich, one it's never been. Amazing, it. I've, I've never amazing. been because I literally live in the countryside and there's no flights. So me and my yeah. sisters went to Munich a few years ago and had an unbelievable time. They do this. There's a place where they do this rhubarb tart, which sounds. <gasps> I love rhubarb. Rhubarb's oh, one mate. of my favorite flavors. This is. Right, you've got to tell me where Unreal. it is. Unreal. I'll have to find where it is. But it's, yeah. it, the place is amazing. The people are great. Yeah, it's such a cool city. And we had an amazing time. And um, went to um, we actually went to Dortmund by Munich, which was great. It was Klopp's, oh. last, Klopp's last game at Klopp's last Munich game. One, Dortmund won 3-0. We sat in the away end. It was absolutely sensational. But I just think the atmosphere outside, inside, the tailgating, the people... Like the people are, you, you take like a little overground tram to like a train to get to the station. It was going to be absolutely like when we went to the game, it was just rammed with just joyful football fans. It's going to be exactly the same, full of like shirt, like we see on the tube at London and stuff. It's just going to be rammed full of yeah. shirts and excitement and Bratwurst and, you know, Steins. And it's going to be like, it'll be Oktoberfest with football. It's just that, you know, what's not to love about it? You're going to have an amazing of, time. Knuckles of pork and, yeah, and Bavarian beer houses and Lederhosen. Lederhosen. Oh, I want yeah. you to turn up, Ollie, in Lederhosen. Yeah, I want well, you to actually arrive. Is it, is it Fistemule? P-F-I Fistemule, I think. is you what I'm, me, mate. Is what, <laughs> well, no, that's the, rhubarb, the place where the rhubarb tart is, I think. Okay, if you yeah. say so. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking it up. This is about this is about seven or eight years ago. So, but yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Sorry. Give us your game picks ahead of this game in Munich. Let's let's hear some game picks ahead of this game because I, I'm I'm probably not going to get the chat to you on screen anyway before the game. I'm I, I'm genuinely taking Seattle to win this game. If you told yeah, me, me I know I know I, 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 I know you said it. Say about six like you talked about six months ago. Oh, the Seahawks could be rubbish. Pete Carroll, as it stands, if 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 they win another four games, he's coach of the year. For what he's done to this team, Geno Smith looks fantastic. Kenneth Walker gives him a different option on the on the run game, and I just I can't see how the Bucks are going to put up as many points as the Seahawks on Sunday. And I never thought I'd say that, but I just hope we've got a great game. Yeah, I think it'll be a really good game. But I, I, I'm with you. I think the Seahawks will win. I think you've you mentioned, you know, two of the most important people in the NFC this season, Geno Smith and Kenneth Walker. I think Kenneth Walker's got a legit shot to be Rookie of the Year, and I think Geno Smith astonishingly has a legit shot to be MVP. And I think, you know, Josh Allen with a potential injury, you know, Jalen Hurts obviously playing well. You've got kind of Tua coming up on the rails with the, with his performances when he's been healthy. Obviously, Micah Parsons, Matthew Judon, Pat Mahomes isn't going anywhere, Tyreek Hill. But, you know, Gina Smith might be the leader in the clubhouse for, for MVP. And that's, I mean, who would have sat here at you know, week one and said, yep, uh, by week eight, when they go to Munich, we'll be... Uh, or week nine, whatever it is, Geno Smith will be the the leader in the clubhouse for for most valuable player. That that you know, 
you get laughed Stunning. out of every room you ever go in. Exactly. So I think it'll be a and the job that they've done on the on, on defense. You know, you lose Bobby Wagner, you lose KJ Wright. You know that defensive line last year was was horrendous in terms of you know Wagner and um, Jordan Brooks had about two hundred tackles each, and everybody thought, oh, what amazing players they were. And actually, Wagner didn't have a very good year, and and they were making tackles solely because the defensive line couldn't stop anybody. Now the secondary is you know. They've got those two young corners playing brilliantly. Again, you've got another legit candidate for, for Rookie of the Year in Tariq Woolen. Uh, the offensive line, they've completely shored up, but, and they've done so again through the draft with Charles Cross at left tackle and the brilliant Abe Lucas at right tackle. You know, John Schneider would be would be executive of the year and Pete Carroll should be should be um, coach of the year because they've just done a phenomenal job. And uh, I, I can only see the Seahawks winning this weekend. For my two cents, Euro cents worth, uh... <laughs> Could, could, and I, I'm, this is just a devil's advocate, could Brady pulling it out last week, getting the win, could that be the spark that ignites this Tampa Bay offense? Because watching that game back, the amount of drops and hands of stone that all of the receivers had, I mean, the the uh, the Scotty Miller drop in, in the back of the end zone is inexplicable um mike evans has has looked absolutely rubbish since he got ejected from that game uh was against the saints a couple of uh, about a, a month ago two months ago so there's there's clearly things not right or there haven't been things right in tampa bay especially on offense the defense has uh, had a downturn but maybe picked up a bit last the last couple of weeks could what happened and that comeback win in the last seconds against the very poor Rams team be the spark and the ignition that this offense that has has the players could it be what it needs just to, to get them going? I'll tell you the one thing you don't want to be if you're in the NFC is a team that has to play Tampa in the playoffs. That yeah. that to me is not what you want. And I think, you know, you, you go back and you look at that game and you just think you look at their schedule and yeah, Seahawks a game that they'll, they'll probably lose, but then they've got they've got uh, Cleveland, the Saints, both games they should probably win. 49ers, you probably say the 49ers would win that. Bengals, same with that. But then they've got three games that they should win to, to out the season. Cardinals, uh, Panthers, and Falcons. So two in-division games. You know, it, it, that's just not a team you want to hit. In, in a weak NFC, you could see you could see Tampa and Philadelphia playing off in the, you know, the Cowboys playing off in the NFC Championship game, even with the record at four and five, and even the fact they struggled past the a pretty average Rams team at the weekend. But that, that you know, that K-Dot and catch, that Tom Brady throw, that drive, that that's kept their season alive. Um, you know, so it, it will be very interesting to see what happens because it's a massive game for Tampa this weekend because if they win that, then... Yeah, you know, all bets aren't off in the NFC, but you know, I think there's, you know, a, a lot could happen if they if they do overturn the Seahawks at the weekend. Nine and I eight, think... nine and eight could get you into the playoffs. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. Eight and nine could get you yeah. into the playoffs in a bad division. <laughs> I mean, it, it yeah. really could. Time will tell. I feel like we'll be sitting here over Christmas laughing at some some teams' records. But one thing is for sure, for the vast majority of people this weekend, it could be the last time they see, first and last time they see uh, Tom Brady play football. And to see him, I think he's the first quarterback to play in the US, Mexico, the UK, and now Germany. Nobody else has done it. So a fair play to Tom. The game is on Sunday at 2.30. If you go to the game, uh, tweet us your photos or thoughts using hashtag Gridiron Munich. 
And this guy here, me, will reply within a few minutes. But uh, <laughs> do check out the Deutschland content as well if you do speak in say Deutsch. Uh, and even if you speak English, there's someone there on the YouTube channel. Speak in say Deutsch. Is it Sprechens? I don't know any yeah, German, but at least, at least I, I didn't know do German Sprechens. in school. Uh, I know Gutenhalter, <laughs> uh, which is bra. Okay, good. Okay. But, uh, good. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Good God! Literally, the that's issue where my German. Yeah, mine's, mine's, I know you know two more words to me. <laughs> v- yeah. Viel Spaß, Viel Spaß is uh, in, enjoy or have fun. So Viel Spaß, folks, if you're going to the game on Sunday and enjoy it. Uh, one question, one time, oh, one question. Uh, with this from Gary, with the revolving door of head coaches being spun, who is next on the chopping block? Um, I'm gonna. Do you know what? If if the Broncos lose in Tennessee on Sunday, in in the same sort of manner in which it's happened, Sorry, what, you're, 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 what were you like saying I'm, in Wembley? At, lads, I'm telling you now, that lad would have been sacked if they had lost that game. I have no doubt about it in my mind whatsoever. I don't know who's going to be next. Uh, it could be your mate Cliff getting the big payoff. Sorry, yeah, I, I think it'll be Cliff. I mean, that that team's an absolute that team's an absolute joke. Um, yeah, I, I I can't see how Kingsbury stays a. Uh, a coach that much longer and uh, the the only other guy to me is josh mcdaniel that, yeah. I mean, that that's a disaster in, in, in the raiders and and if they lose to jeff saturday at the, at the weekend <laughs> uh, legitimately I, I think he could go on saturday on sunday i mean i think he could go saturday on sunday uh, that yeah. has a good ring to it this weekend yeah ollie uh, like saturday, who... sunday and monday will be the day when he gets fired if that's the... <laughs> saturday <laughs> plus sunday equals yeah Ollie, who's your pick? Is there anybody else that we haven't spoke of that you think could get the chop this weekend or this weekend? Yeah, uh, Matt Lafleur. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that would be that would be ludicrous. Uh, I'm looking at the standings now. Sean McVay, no. Um, tell me who won't be getting the sack is Mike McDaniel, baby. <laughs> Look, I tell you what. There was one throw. I, I, he did a lot of. He made a lot of throws, didn't he, to a, uh, at the weekend. But he's playing incredible football, best football I'm sure you've ever seen him play, and including college as well, Simon. Given the stakes now at hand, but the the, the rollout to the left, throw sort of across his body with his left, obviously with his left hand um, to uh, I think it was Waddle in the end zone, who, who and it was a tight throw, but with he had some juice on that throw as well. It was just super impressive. Yeah, he actually made a throw, a really tight window throw, sort of across the formation, sort of 25, 30 yards down the field to Tyreek Hill, which didn't look amazing when he saw it. I mean, it was a good throw in real time, but when you see the All-22 and you see the window he fired it into, it was, that was yeah. a hugely impressive throw. So, he, I mean, he's playing phenomenally well. So, fingers crossed it continues. We went 47 and a half minutes without talking about the Dolphins, but we got there in the end. Lads, this has been really, really good fun. Uh, if anyone's listening, go to Munich this weekend, enjoy yourselves. Do give us a shout on, on Twitter and we'll maybe try and meet up and have a Stein or say uh, Prost. I think or it's Prost. Halter. Yeah. <laughs> that's good yeah, yeah. Uh, please <laughs> please do give us a shout on social media you can get us on twitter at gridiron uh, on youtube just type in the gridiron nfl show gridiron deutschland as well if you're going to the game this weekend tiktok and instagram as well uh, michael McQuaid, simon clancy ollie hunter lads thanks a million uh, enjoy week 10 chat to you soon.